five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello everyone and welcome to Holy Half Hour. It's so good to have you with us. Welcome back if you're a recurring listener and welcome if it's your first time here. Great to have you with us. My name is Kieran. I'm joined as ever by the inimitable Mr. Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi, it's me, the inimitable Mr. Michael. Uh, Good to be here as always, Kieran. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. This week is a bit of a, a crazy busy week. It's the end of term and I work in schools, so it's all go. But uh, we're nearly there. How are you doing? You're a bit under the weather, I hear. I am, yeah. My my baby girl had a cold for like three and a half weeks. And then just as she was getting better, I, I caught off of her at the very end. So oh, I've got man. A, wee bit a wee bit of a scratchy throat, but I'm okay. I'm all right. Yeah. We've been in the wars, everybody. Oh, but yeah. we're all right. We're all right. <laughs> We're going to pull through. So, uh, speaking of pulling through, let's pull through this show. Does that work? Mm, I don't know. Sure. But we've got <laughs> but we've got a great show lined up for you folks. Our usual mix of games and unlikely worship songs and fun bits and pieces and a Bible fact to top it all off. So, shall we get into it, Michael? Let's do that. Here we go. So, Michael, I hear, I hear the word on the street is, you have a quiz for us today. <laughs> is that true? That's what all the cool kids are saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what all the cool kids are saying is, I have a quiz for you. And the other thing that all the cool kids are saying, Kieran, is the word meme. Do you know, do you know what a meme is, Kieran? A meme? Yeah, a meme. Well, my understanding of a meme is that it's like something that's very shareable, specifically mm. online, usually. When people talk about memes, they're usually talking about little shareable nuggets on the internet, GIFs and things, funny videos, anything that has the potential to, as the kids say, go viral. Do the kids say that? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. I think the grown-ups <laughs> say that, really. But yeah. uh, but that's what I think a meme is. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, do you know who originated the idea of a meme, Kieran? Richard Dawkins, I think. Yeah, it was. Well done. I think he Richard coined the Dawkins, term, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. In his work, The Selfish Gene, uh, which is actually a 1976 um, book. And yeah, basically, that's the idea. It's, it's a, a unit of cultural information spread by imitation. So mm. it could be like, um, like you say, anything. It can have a load of different forms. Uh, Encyclopedia Britannica says... Uh, they can take a variety of forms, such as an idea, a skill, a behavior, a phrase, or a particular fashion. The replication and transmission of a meme occurs when one person copies a unit of cultural information comprising a meme from one other person. The process of transmission is carried out primarily by means of verbal, visual, or electronic communication. So it's kind of this idea, you know, when people say, uh, oh, that's such a great meme, and it's a picture with text over it. It's not necessarily yeah. that that 
picture itself. That is an expression of a meme. But the thing that's actually mimetic or the meme is the form of a picture with text over or a specific picture with text over. But the text itself changes, but the, the, the form of communication itself remains the same. And I was just thinking about Christian memes, really, Kieran. You know, have you ever been, and not, not those kind of Christian memes where you go on Instagram and it's like, oh, funny Christian joke over a funny Christian picture. <laughs> but like more in the traditional sense of that cultural information spread by imitation in Christian world. Um, so I was thinking, you know, when you're, when you're in a prayer meeting and someone prays that thing that everybody prays. And oh, you're just yeah. like, oh, that's such a Christian it's meme. Me. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> well, Except when I pray song lyrics by accident, as we exactly. touched on in an earlier show. <laughs> exactly. I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, Kieran, you might be the biggest offender of Christian memes during prayer, which might well put you in a good position to get this quiz on Christian memes correct. Because basically, I've put together six kind of Christian memes, Christian ease type things that, that Christians say. And and you've got two jobs, really. Your first job is, is it even a thing that is in Scripture? Okay. And then if you think it is a thing that's in Scripture, can you kind of tell me where it is? So you might tell me the book it's in, you might tell me the context it's found in, or just like your feeling of, you don't have to get it exactly right, like, oh, it's, uh, you know, John 3.16. You just might be like, oh, I think that's kind of talking about how God does this, or, oh, that's from the story of Samson or something, you know. If right. You, if you can get it exactly in the right place, then great. But um, that would be a hard ask. Maybe not, though, because recently you've been smashing all these quizzes, so maybe I should make you get the exact, <laughs> <laughs> the exact places from. But, uh, yeah. So it's Christian memes. And that's, that's the kind of idea. So, for example, Kieran, and here's number one. Have you ever heard someone say in a prayer or in church, enlarge the place of your tent? <laughs> you ever heard that? I'm sure, praying, yeah. Praying that, that we would just, yeah. that God would just enlarge our tents or enlarge the, yeah. the boundaries of our tents. Um, it's a bit of a Christian meme. Do you think it's uh, actually in the Bible? It's definitely in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll give I, you I'll I, give you a ding for that. Okay, but, okay. But, uh, but what about the context? Where do you think this is actually found in the Bible? Any ideas? I want to, you know, I want to say Isaiah. I'm not actually sure, but I have a feeling it might be Isaiah. Yeah. But um, but it's definitely like a. I feel like maybe it's a sort of you know prophecy about. It's either a prophecy about Israel, and the flourishing of Israel. Mm. Or it's sort of a, it's a prayer to God and saying, God, expand your kingdom, assert your authority, mm. perhaps, that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. I think we use it as the latter, but it's found contextually as the former. And you get mm. a ding, because it is in Isaiah. Isaiah 54, hey. verse 2. So very well done. And that whole of Isaiah 54 is about the future glory of Zion. Um, so yeah, it's about Israel. So... Good job. Well done. Nice. Um, okay, here is Christian meme the second. When God closes a door, Kieran, what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> he opens a window. He, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He opens he a window. He opens a gif. 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, when God closes the door, he opens a window. What do you think? <laughs> well, it's absolutely not in scripture. <laughs> no. I, I know that. But uh, it's certainly popular. Certainly popular <laughs> saying, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I'm going to give you a ding for that. Well done. Hey. Uh, it's not in scripture. Um, but people say it a lot. Although, alarmingly, when I searched this one online, um, there was a lot of those kind of like, you know, inspirational pictures with the text written over it. And um, many of them had, when God closes the door, he opens a window in quotation marks, followed by Malachi yeah. 3.10. Oh, um, which, interesting. Uh, is alarming that people don't know what a quotation mark is and what it's used for. <laughs> because uh, yeah. Malachi 3.10 is about bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. And it's nothing to do with God closing doors or opening windows. Um, so it's a bit yeah. scary that people do that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, you are yeah. correct. So well done. Two commas in the air means paraphrase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It means... To some people. Probably you could in some way infer <laughs> this meaning from that text. But you would have to really try. That's what the quotation yeah. means. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so remember, listeners, if you're going to quote the Bible, quote the Bible. <laughs> um, okay, Christian meme number three, Kieran. Hedge of protection. Hedge of protection. Has anyone ever Ooh. prayed a hedge of protection around you, Kieran? Yeah, I believe they have, Michael. I believe I've been hedged a few times. Yeah, so what? I've been what, hedged in. If anyone's out there listening and they're, and they're not a Christian, how would you describe? A hedge of protection being prayed over you, Kieran. I don't actually know what a hedge of protection means, to be honest. It's mm. just one of those things I've heard many times, and the image in my mind was of like a literal hedge surrounding mm. you, which yeah. maybe implies, well, protection, hedge of protection. Yeah, exactly. Being surrounded uh, by God's protection. Yeah, yeah. But why a hedge? I have no idea. Mm. Is it even um, in the Bible? See, this is the thing. I, I feel like maybe there's a concept like this in scripture, but it's mm. become something else in the popular consciousness. So mm. I'm going to say that it's not there. Okay. Well, let's take it. In a the look. way that people use it right now. I'm going to give you a... Mm. Although you could argue that you get a ding for this because Job 1.10, in many... In many, uh, so Satan is going to God and God's saying to Satan, hey, look at my righteous servant, Job. He's awesome. And yeah. uh, Satan's like, well, pff, it's easy for you to say he's awesome, but have you not put a hedge of protection around him? Have you not uh, protected ah. his house and everything he has on every side and blessed his work and given him prosperity and happiness and all the possessions and increased his land, etc.? And most most translations say hedge. Most others that don't say hedge say fence. And the Amplified Bible says hedge of protection. Um, okay. So it's kind of like, mm, it's, right, it's there, right. but it's, is it there kind of thing. So um, it's it's a tentative kazoo for you on that one. Uh, okay. And listeners okay. can let me know if they think, think it's wrong or right. That's fair. <laughs> the, the, the hedge of protection makes, makes me think of other... Um, uh, sayings that do come from the Bible, but I'm mm. not convinced that a lot of people who use them necessarily know exactly what they mean. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah. the context is necessarily. 
Perhaps maybe that's a bit too uh, cynical of me. I'm sure that many people do. But I'm not going to say what they are because they might be about to come up. Mm, exactly. So. No spoilers. Uh, yeah, I mean, this whole quiz is is written from the cynical part of my heart. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I apologize, listeners, if you find this cynical. But, uh, <laughs> but here, comes a, here comes a total banger, Kieran, for such a time as this. Hey! <laughs> it's w- w- one of the... Um, most oft used, often used uh, verses. I think I've I've heard actually. Mm. It's used in so many contexts. Often oh, it's yes. like you're in a sort of storming prayer meeting with your church, and uh, you're praying about the future and what God has in store. And mm. uh, for such a time as this will come up, but it's from Esther, and mm. um, you know, not to say that it can't be used in other contexts, but it's um, Esther's mate. I forget his name, Mordecai. Mm. I believe says it, uh, and it's about um, the Lord using Esther in the larger narrative of the book of Esther to bring about his will. I think that's what Mordecai's getting at, if I remember rightly. Well, let's take a look. You gave us a lot of information there, Kieran, but are you correct? <laughs> hey! <laughs> yes, indeedy. It's Esther 4.14, and you're right. It's about Esther becoming queen. Uh, Mordecai does say... <coughs> For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows mm. but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So there it is. About Esther becoming queen and being put in a place to prevent all of the Jewish people in Persia being killed. But yeah, it gets used for all sorts of stuff. Um, and it's not to say that that's not correct, but that is the context from which it comes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kieran, Very as diplomatic. usual with these quizzes, you've already won, but, well, you've already drawn, technically. Uh, you've got three okay. right, one-ish right, sort of wrong. Uh, so two more to go. God moves in a mysterious way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good hymn. Mm. Good hymn and, and worship song. Which we've touched <clears> on before. Absolutely. But is God moves in a mysterious way? See, I feel like God works in mysterious ways, Mm. possibly. And is this then just a uh, a sort of paraphrase of that verse? Mm. So, ah, man, that's so hard. I really don't know, man. Let me say this. I feel like it's in there. If God moves in a mysterious way or if God works in a mysterious way is in the Bible and you say yes, then uh-huh. you'll be right. I wouldn't I wouldn't penalize you for like a single word. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Although you could argue sure, I did sure. that with Job, but I think it's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. God moves in a mysterious way. I'm going to say Yes. Okay. But it's a yes, because I'm really not confident. <laughs> yes. Um, let's take a look. Uh, oh, I'm afraid not. You're right. It is just a really catchy hymn. Um, although yeah. many things in scripture allude to the fact that God moves in a mysterious way. Probably the one which is most closely aligned to that is Isaiah 55, Um which mm. is, uh, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, yep. declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, that's the thing that that's how it that's how they get you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Is that that's kind of the scripture that was in the back of my mind as I was thinking through this. I thought, is that what it says? I don't remember exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's three, two. This is the last one, and it's either a win or a draw. So, I mean, you're doing well, and it's this: mm. in the world, not of it. <laughs> if I was saying, Kieran, to you. I just really want to be in the world, but not of it. And some non-Christian was around and they were like, uh, yeah. what? what yeah. How would you describe yeah. what I was trying to communicate? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, th- I think what it's saying is um, be, be present with people, love people, uh, live among other people because God has given you a life mm. on this earth. But... Uh, do so without compromising your your faith, your relationship with God. Mm. You know, without without allowing uh, some of the temptations and and values in of the world mm. to pull you away from that relationship with God. Mm. I think that's what it's saying. Yeah, that's good. But is the phrase "in the world, not of it" in the Scripture? Kieran, is it in the Bible? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. some new New Testament action here. I'm pretty sure it's in a it's in a New Testament letter, but I couldn't tell you where. Mm. All right, well, let's take a look. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> How embarrassing! Huzzah! Finally, I got you to just get a draw on one of my quizzes. <laughs> there are many parts of New Testament which allude to this being true. So, yeah, John fifteen. 19 John 17 14 to 16 both talk about Christians not being of the world and the world hating them 1 yeah. John 2 15 talks about not loving the things of the world Romans 12 2 talks about not not being conformed to this world but being transformed by the renewing of your mind but it does not say anywhere in scripture to be in the world but not of it uh, in those terms and as a phrase like that like we use it all the time in prayer so yeah now you know. <laughs> well played, Michael. Well played. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, good job because, you know, many of these things that we use, I think it's important for us to know the context of the things we say uh, as much as possible. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, in the world, not of it, hedge of protection, you know, all these things, God moves in a mysterious way. There's so much of scripture that points to those things being true that they're just kind of mm. paraphrases of truths that are in scripture. So, yeah. Absolutely. They're not, they're not wrong as concepts, but you're right. It's good to know where they come from and not assume that something is a Bible verse just because it's a popular saying that <laughs> relates to <laughs> to God in some way. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that one. I did. Thank you. You're welcome. Ooh, unlikely worship songs. Unlikely. Well, Michael, for this week's unlikely worship song, this is instead really a segment that should have its own jingle and be a different thing because it is kind of a different thing. But hey, here we are. In for a penny. So this is 
<laughs> what, what I've been doing, uh, listeners, in, in case you're new here, is I have been um, remixing classic moments from, from the podcast, <laughs> setting them to music, turning them into something fresh and new. Uh, for us to maybe use on on the show at some point. So, Michael, this week I was thinking, well, I was listening back to some of our early stuff, Mm. and I came across a particular character, uh, much beloved, I'm sure, by our audience, who we haven't really heard from in a while. Mm. And uh, some of the things this character was saying made me think, do you know what? What if if our show was a breakfast show? Hey, wouldn't that be fun? Mm. If our show was like a morning talk show, you wake up, you get your glass of orange juice or whatever you have in the morning. And there's Kieran and Michael to ease you into the day (laughs) with some holy half hour nonsense. So this is this is our breakfast show theme tune, Michael, that I've created. So uh, have a listen and see what you think. And you may you may spy a familiar voice in here, a familiar character. So see what you think. This is a reworking of uh, of uh, of a previous little segment, folks. Nice. I'm excited to both listen to it and to use it as a pitch for our breakfast uh, radio show. This morning. This morning. This morning. This morning. This morning. strangely nauseous after listening to that (laughs) (laughs) really (laughs) something a little bit creepy about the disembodied just shouting milk and butter (laughs) i thought so too i loved it i thought this has endless endless potential i was just i was just listening back to that segment where uh, listeners in case you haven't heard it it's one of our early episodes and michael did some uh, an epic voiceover voice Mm. and uh, he did some movie trailers but the movie trailers were about household objects and i had to guess what they were and it was very funny and you should listen to it it's episode six season one episode six you should definitely listen if you haven't heard it. Um, but in one of them, there's just lots of mentions of food <laughs> and food-related items. And I thought, wait a minute. There's yeah. uh, there's potential here to do something ri- even more ridiculous with this. So yeah. here we are. Michael didn't take it quite silly enough. Um, yeah. I just wanted an excuse to say, this summer, um, over and over yeah. again. That was my, my, yeah. uh, my aim for that yeah. whole segment. But... Uh, Absolutely. I'm a big fan of carbonated beverages as well. (laughs) Well, maybe Epic VoiceOver Guy should make a reappearance in a a future episode. Listen, my son. Wisdom cries aloud in the streets. Let's go outside and listen to her speak. Hey! Daddy be a dafty, daddy be a dafty, daddy be a dafty, I'm telling ye. 
Well, Michael, it's time for our roving segment for this week, and I believe you've got something new for us, which I'm very excited about. I do have something sort of newish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I did a, a quiz in the, in the first season about Christian records um, from uh, the Guinness Book of Records, and uh, I thought it might just be fun to just take one occasionally uh, and, and have some fun with it. So this segment I'm calling... That must be some kind of a record. And um, <laughs> on today's record that I want you to try to guess is, um, have you ever been in a church that has those big old boards of all the old pastors and all the old rectors and priests and you're like going through and you secretly want to see who was there for the longest time and like see how many years the the, pre- the priest or the rector was, was in charge of the church? Um, right. The church I'm in at the moment has a big board like that, and uh, I think the I think ours has some quite long tenures on there, like thirty years maybe even. But the longest tenure as a pastor of the same church was achieved by Reverend Jasper Williams Jr. in the United States in Atlanta, Georgia, and as of the third of November, twenty twenty, Kieran. How long had Reverend Jasper Williams Jr. been the pastor of the church? The church is Salem Baptist Church, now called Salem Bible Church, um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Was it Mm -hmm. 48 years, 250 days, 56 years, 360 days, or 65 years, 100 days? I'm going to go all in, and uh, you, you have to, don't you? And say 65 years, 100 days. Absolutely. I mean, whatever the answer is, that's a long time to be pastoring yeah. <laughs> the same church. <laughs> Absolutely. Or any church, to be fair. Um, yeah. Well, let's take a look, see if you're right. Ooh, oh, I'm afraid not, Kieran. It was... Middle ground, 56 years, uh, 360 days, which is still a spectacularly long time. I know, of course, that um, that Pastor Reverend Williams Jr. listens to the show, so we just want to say, say well done, and, and keep keep on in there, sir. Good work, Rev. <laughs> That's a good good innings. <laughs> the top, 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 top three, three, three. So it's time for a top three, Michael. It is. Well, we have uh, been doing, as I, if I remember rightly, nursery rhyme-themed <laughs> top threes. Do you have another one of those for us this week, or are we going somewhere else? I do. I think I'm going to do a couple more weeks of nursery rhymes, and then I'm going to change up again. Um, cool, so cool. the top three, ladies and gentlemen, is I've taken three words from the Bible, and I have searched the number of times they appear. And uh, Kieran has to rank them from most to least. And yeah, because, you know, my brain works this way, I've been thinking of ways of finding three words. And we did random ones to begin with. And then we had some rule of three words. Then we had some rhyming words. Now we're on to nursery rhymes. So, Kieran, um, this one's a little bit tortured because I've got ring, rose, but no roses because <laughs> there weren't any roses in the Bible, and pocket. Um, so ring rose r-o-s-e and pocket um those are your three words um okay and uh you've got to tell me 
how many times? Well, no, you don't have to guess the number, but you have to rank them. So what do you think? Hmm. Well, I know we've I've asked this similar question in the past, mm. but is rose only in reference to the flower? Or is it any use of the word rose? Well, let me tell you. That's a good question. And I feel like I'm giving you too many clues telling you this. But uh, in this instance, it's any instance of the word rose, R-O-S-E. There's only actually a single uh, reference to the rose, the flower in the Bible, at least in the New International Version, uh-huh. Kieran. Uh, can, any guesses as to where, where that occurs? No, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. It's in Song of Songs 2, 1, chapter 2, verse 1. Uh-huh. It's also where uh, Lily of the Valley appears in the Bible, so just so you know. Uh, okay. um, so yeah, it's cool. any any appearance of the word rose. Oh, and also, what, what, what nursery rhyme were these words from, Kieran? Of course, I forgot to ask you that. Uh, ring a ring a rosy, ring around the rosy. I don't remember what its proper title is. Yeah, I think it, it, a pocket it, goes, full of by, it goes by many different titles because uh, there's loads a, of different versions. A tissue... A, a tissue. tissue we all fall down. Exactly. Very, mm. very... Uh, Traumatic. Current, very current, very relevant. Yeah. Just like this podcast Absolutely. always is. Absolutely. We have our fingers pressed <laughs> tightly against the pulse of the national zeitgeist um, in our, in our quizzes. Do. Anyway, enough of that nonsense. Ring, rose, pocket... Go, Kieran. Put them in order. Right. Well, I feel like rose could come up quite a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. Because people rise in the morning, Mm -hmm. or, you know, they rose, the sun rose, Jesus rose Mm -hmm. from the grave, which has got to be mentioned a fair few times in the New Testament. Yeah. So I actually think it might go rose, ring, pocket. Because I'm having trouble thinking of... Uh, having any idea of how many times ring or pocket come up. Although there are rings like signet rings, I mm-hmm. imagine. There'll be rings in terms of jewellery mentioned probably mm-hmm. a fair few times. There are probably a lot of rings in uh, Le- Leviticus, actually, or uh, mm-hmm. where the instructions are for building the tabernacle, now that I think about it, which mm-hmm. is making me reevaluate. Uh, but, you know, I think I am going to go rose, ring, pocket. All right, you're happy to lock in with rose the most, then ring, then pocket. Yes. All right, let's take a look what the sound effects department have to say about that. Yes! (laughs) I thought I was going to clean sweep you with with the fails this week, Um, although the first (laughs) one was a draw, to be fair. Um, Yeah, you're right, rose. (laughs) And don't you forget it. (laughs) Oh, I won't, but I'll get you one day. Uh, Rose has 62 <laughs> mentions in the New International Version, including the single one, which is actually the flower in Song of Songs. Uh, then Ring, very close, 59. And then Pocket mm. is, uh, what's it called, a Google Whack with only the single mention in, uh, in <laughs> of Pocket. Um, right. So, yeah, well done, Kieran. You are a winner, sir. You know what I'm going to ask, Michael. Mm. Where's the mention of Pocket? <laughs> Oh, there's always one who has to ask where in the Bible there's a pocket. Well, where do you think it is? Why don't you Why don't you go from there? Uh, is there something about being? Is it some sort of metaphor for being or is it taking refuge in God? Hide me in your pocket. Um, or no, is it Moses not. fumbled in his pocket? 
before the ring, which then... I think you're confusing it with Lord of the Rings again. Put on his finger (laughs) and his hand rose into the air. There we go. Tie them all together. And then he went invisible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, it's actually uh, in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 25, uh, 29. And it says, even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But he lived, But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. Ah, I see. Okay. So right. there you go. It's uh, David and the Baal and Abigail. That chapter is about. So, so yeah, there okay. you go. That's, so that's no trouser pockets in the Bible then? No, there are trousers as we learned from, from many, many weeks ago, but no, no pockets in those trousers yeah. that we know of anyway. Ah, yes. Here we go. Timothy, my dear boy, turn up the bass. After all, a little bass is good for your stomach. <laughs> Bible facts, blowing up your brain with these actual, factual, mildly intellectual Bible facts. Every book covered with a crazy fun fact for you. Bible facts. 66 books, we're not counting the apocrypha. Bible facts. Bible facts. Bible facts. It's time, everybody, for our Bible fact. And this week we are where, Michael? Remind us. Well, Kieran, we're in Zephaniah this week. Ooh. Hey, nice. And, um, you know, with these minor prophet books, there is, there's a lot of facts to be had. Um, but it's sometimes hard to come up with like one overarching fact. So I'll give you a little bit of background about Zephaniah listeners. And then um, we'll go from there. I think the first thing to say is that we're on a ninth out of 12 minor prophets. And um, one mini fact, which I was just thinking about actually, is that these minor prophets are minor in the sense that the books are short. <laughs> it's not that God was like, oh, these prophets are rubbish. But Jeremiah and Isaiah <laughs> and, you know, the major prophets, they're great. Um, so, yeah, minor prophets in the sense that they're short books. Uh, interestingly, this is kind of the last minor prophet, which is really about judgment. Other minor prophets will touch on judgment, but they're more about future um, looking to the future where where things are redeemed and things are 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 more hopeful. Zephaniah does have hope in it. Um, but uh, so I guess I say that because um, we've got three more to go and, and maybe those are a wee bit, they're a bit different from the ones that have come before. So Zephaniah prophesied during the reign of King Josiah of Judah. And that was about the same time that Jeremiah's ministry began. So maybe 640 to 609. BC. And um, it's likely that Zephaniah prophesied before King Josiah tried to reform Judah. Because uh, Josiah actually became a king when he was still a boy, probably about eight years old. Um, And 
that means that Zephaniah might be one of the kind of rarest things in in the Bible, which is a prophet that was actually listened to in his own time. Uh, because King Josiah went on to remove pagan altars and idols from the temple to destroy rural sanctuaries and fertility cults and to re-centralize worship at the temple of Jerusalem. Unfortunately, as you may remember from Second Chronicles, Josiah picks a fight with Necho or Necho or however you want to say it, the king of Egypt. And uh, even though King Necho didn't want to fight Josiah, like he was like, uh, I'm, I'm marching around near where you are, but I don't actually want to fight you, so uh, cool your jets. Josiah disguised <laughs> himself, engaged him in battle, and was killed. So that's the context into which Zephaniah is prophesying and maybe successfully doing so. But Zephaniah was actually a fairly distinguished guy himself. His great-great-grandfather was King Hezekiah, who was the last great king of Judah. He was like the one that everyone says was awesome. So 2 Kings 18 says, Hezekiah, uh, 2 Kings 18 verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He goes on to say, he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept his commands uh, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. So Zephaniah is this pretty distinguished guy, you know, of royal descent, um, prophesying in a successful way. But again, we don't, that's really all we know about Zephaniah. It's chiefly poetry um, and poetry, which uses some pretty extremely vivid and often apocalyptic imagery to talk about three main things, the day of judgment, on Judah as a nation, God's judgment on Judah's neighbors, including Jerusalem, and then God saving the faithful few. So what, what are the facts then? I think that the fact number one, which is really key, is when you start Zephaniah, the whole of the first chapter is like pretty brutal. It's about the world being wiped of all life, and it's really you know, a lot of destruction. And even though it has some of the most vivid and apocalyptic imagery in any of the prophets. Chapter two starts with, well, from it starts with an opportunity to, to repent. You know, it says here, gather together, gather together, gather yourselves together, you shameful nation, before the decree takes effect. And that day passes like wind-blown chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. So you start reading Zephaniah and you probably immediately stop because you're just like, this is really not something that's going to make me feel very good. But if you per persevere, then even after that, some of the most shocking imagery in the Bible the very next thing that comes is, but I'd really like you to repent and come back to me. That's what God wants from his people. People who listen to this might think, man, these prophets really go on about judgment and the coming destruction. But there's a really important distinction to remember when we're reading prophecy, when we're reading the Old Testament. There's a difference between a threat and a warning. 
if you, if I, something that I do a lot of the time, I do a fair bit of the cooking in, in our house and I'll take a, a tray out of the oven and I'll say to my wife, don't touch that tray because it's hot. Because if she comes in, she doesn't know that I've just taken that tray out of the oven. She doesn't know it's hot. You can't tell it's hot by looking at it. So that's a, that's a warning. If I said to my wife, I'm going to push your hand against this hot tray, that would be a threat and it would be a very terrible thing and I would never say that to her. God mm. is warning his people out of love about judgment that will come because he is a just God and he can't abide the injustice that's happening in the, the nation of Judah at that time. He's not threatening. He's not threatening over and over again in these minor prophet books and the major prophet books. He's warning that there will be consequences to their sin, just like there are consequences to the bad things that we do. And God is willing to repeat himself over and over and over because he loves his people, because he loves us. And also he's repeating himself because actually in the, the narrative of the nation of Israel, it's been about 70 years now since there was a prophet. So actually multiple generations, like right. it's been a week since we <laughs> heard about the last minor prophet. But actually what happened was Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, you know, Jer Zephaniah's great, great grandfather, the last good king, he dies and his son, his eldest son, Man Manasseh, um, becomes king at 12. And he is one of the most evil kings of all time. Um, he reinstates all the pagan worship, all of the idolatry, but not only that, but he sacrifices his own children and he reinstates child sacrificing across the nation of Judah. And that becomes the norm. So even Zephaniah would have grown up in a time where he would be sheltered and hidden uh, in order to stay alive, even as a royal descendant, because the king you know, sacrifice his own children. So into this nation of where things are happening that should not be happening, God is warning, look, these terrible things are happening. I am a just God who loves you and I will not allow it to, to happen indefinitely. He's not threatening over and over again. He's warning because he's a just and loving God. So yeah, I think as we kind of transition out of the prophets, which are more warning based and more destruction based, I think it's just to remember to take, to take forward a reminder that God is warning that sin and injustice has uh, consequences, even in this very vivid apocalyptic imagery, God is giving his people a way to come back to him. And yeah, he repeats himself because of love, because he wants us to get it. Um, so yeah, I think those are my, my thoughts on Zephaniah. I don't know if it's a, a, a fact, but there's a few facts sprinkled in there, Kieran. What do you think? <laughs> it's good, man. Yeah. And I like what you're saying about, uh, really about the, the patience of God that, um, you know, the context here, as you've said, is that it's been a long time since God's people had a, had a prophet in their midst. Mm. And, and and just the importance of that difference between uh, a warning and a threat, because we do, I think, see again and again, uh, you know, the patience of God demonstrated in these uh, books that we've been looking through in the prophets, um, you know, that God is patient with his people, that his desire is for them to know him, his desire is for them to, to turn back to him. 
and that you know fundamentally that relationship is one of a, of a father loving his children mm. even if they don't always uh, go in the direction that he he would wish them to go um but the love remains um and that desire for them to to come back to him so um yeah appreciate what you've what you've shared there bro it's uh, it's very encouraging i think because it is easy to perhaps focus on the negative mm. in some of these heavier passages of scripture and to think about oh well you know to to sort of uh, you know a, a a lazy reading of 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 the old testament would say that it's all fire and brimstone and mm. judgment and god is mad all the time and I, and i don't think that's what we see when we look at scripture we definitely see the anger of the lord mm. uh in certain contexts but the overriding message is one of of God's love for His people, and uh, and that's an encouraging thought. Yeah, Amen to that. Bible facts. Well, everyone, it's the end of this week's episode. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us, whoever you are, wherever <laughs> you are. We know we have listeners in in a bunch of places, mm, and uh, we appreciate you you tuning in. So, thank you very much, and thank you, Michael, for uh, co-hosting with me this week pleasure as always thanks everybody you can find us on all the social medias at holy half hour if you want to get in touch and uh, we will see you next time goodbye bye bye